0: Hey, ho. Get down. Right on. Bitch, please.
1: Oh, bitch, please
0: my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. Yeah. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in
1: your ass. I'm, yeah. a, a, I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Well, you know, I like to reminisce from time to time and go back to the back pages of my life. And I'm about to do that next with my guest who's an author, a media icon, and also a friend here on the
0: JB's Low Tech Podcast. In Pennsylvania, a teenage girl that was about to turn 18 was driving her brand new car home when she looked down to check a text message and struck a tree, killing herself and injuring a friend in the car. The average message takes 4.6 seconds to create. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Please don't drive while intoxicated or allow your friends and family to do so. No text message or phone call is worth dying for. By Mike Bryant at Minnesota Personal Injury.com. Minnesota Personal com. Mike Bryant, seeking justice for the injured. The <laughs> your
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to JB's Low Tech Podcast. As I stated in my opening, I would have a media icon, and and I love reminiscing, and I'm killing both today by doing that. Uh, the media icon, which I'm talking about, is Bob Sansevier. Ladies and gentlemen, he's... Uh, been a part of newspaper, and I just found out that he retired from newspaper, and we'll get into that, but uh, he's been on TV, he's been on the radio, and he now has his own podcast called The BS Show, which we'll get into that, too. My guest, my friend, my pal, Bob Sansevier. How you doing, Bob?
0: I'm doing great, JB. I appreciate you uh, inviting me to be with you, and all my and I don't think so. (laughs) the <laughs> icon didn't show up so I can't I took whoever that was to be.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm not yeah. a word that seems that it, that seems to fit. I'm just the guy that you know, done different sports for I mean, I could go back to the beginning for you. It started in nineteen seventy four. The end of nineteen seventy four into seventy five, a freshman in college. I started working full time in a newspaper and uh, and from there it basically you know, over the next forty uh, years or so years, I'm doing it, and I enjoy doing. it. It's well, a lot of
1: fun. I normally have uh, my guests kind of give a origin story, like you you see in the superhero movies now. Everybody's got to have an origin story, so I guess you can continue on with that. But uh, even right. bef- even before you started that in college, kind of give a background where you grew up and. How you sure. kind of wound up here in Minnesota.
0: Well, I grew up on the Jersey Shore, which was a great place to grow up as a kid. I lived on what are we, things called lagoons. I don't think there's a, I've heard refer to a lagoon in Minnesota, but basically it was a lagoon that would lead out to the bay. And I, I lived Barnegat Bay. You could take the bay across, you go all across the bay. You can get to a strip of land that walk the land. You're at the ocean. So it was a great place to grow up when you were as a kid. And I went to a high school called Central Regional High School, which, um, if you ever heard uh, a band that called The Looking Glass, and they had, I don't remember what it was, but they did have a, a song that, if I can remember it, uh, it would be one that many people might know. Then again, maybe they wouldn't. <laughs> but uh, that's the only claim to fame my high school had. But anyway, I went to college at a place called Stockton State College which was about 45 minutes from where my family was. And I lived at college for the first few months. And I had a great deal because, um, well, let me just back up a second. My first night, the, the rooms had filled up. I don't know if it was relevant to the second or third year. And it was a motel along with Whitehorse, which would take you to New Jersey. But the old... Lapidated. You one of those room? And my mom and dad came, and I had like about eight of frozen in there. The whole thing in the room was a book and pants that looked like a you know a sixty inch inseam. They were just normal, and I'm I have a little something to eat, and you know finally, at one o'clock, I locked the door. Somebody pounded the door to get it's my roommate, who was about six, eight, six, nine. And he comes in, he was a, a Vietnam, this is the mid 70s, and he immediately started with food and told me that you have to get out of the dump. And he, I needed that because I, I didn't want to have Next <laughs> This morning, I out of place to move to, and when I left, he had his head under the hood of his, trying to get started, and he saw he once okay that was it. But I played that. I worked for them. Uh, I worked in the office, and they in exchange, you know, for the room. And as the room, it was great in September, but they, the room didn't have any heat. So I
1: hung around there like
0: October, laid out and finally, the guy, because he wasn't getting enough access, the guy working, boom, work in his office, yard work, I said, I'm not, I did enough of that growing up. <laughs> Basically, moved back home and, and went to school. And while, amid all this, there was a, a, a weekly newspaper that came into my uh, communications class and said, hey, if you want to work for this weekly newspaper, here's the guy to call so I started working for the newspaper, not one byline in months. It was about a 92-year-old barber who, uh know, care of people.
1: Bob, I'm starting to 90. lose you a little bit.
0: Oh. All right. Do um, you want me to call you back? Is it better?
1: No, that's better. I don't know if okay. you're moving or not. but.
0: No, I, I had the phone down, but I'll hold it. Okay. Anyway. So should, yep. I, should I pick what?
1: Yeah, just keep going.
0: Okay. Anyway, I got one byline. It was this 92 year old barber, and he would never cut my hair because was too long. But shortly after, the guy who ran the the editor of the paper calls me. Oh, maybe you should start thinking about some other lines. I didn't like the stuff I was doing on planning boards, and uh, you know, and uh, I have to go to like uh, city council meetings, and I I really was doing. So about that same time. I was at my old, so I was helping out there announcing games Got to the table newspaper and Daily Observer was called and I said, hey, you guys hiring, as a matter of fact, the guy, one of the guys had just quit and I took a job at 110 bucks a week and that began my career working for Daily Newspapers while I was still 18 and I went from there to the Atlantic City Press asbury park press which at the time and still was the third largest paper in the state it might be the second largest now but the, i want to stop for a second with the asbury park press because uh, this would have been five six years after at least six years after i had that job at the weekly paper um i'm walking through the corridor that goes by the elevators they open and out walks the guy who told me that i should look for another line of work <laughs> he yeah. was looking for work right at the time i was a columnist with the paper <laughs> So it worked out uh, it worked out pretty good. then I went to the Associated Press and from there I got a call uh, from the sports editor of the you know, Minneapolis Star Tribune about covering the Vikings except for the first 10 minutes I thought he said he was from Milwaukee and I'm <laughs> thinking there's no way I'm going to live in you know in Green Bay right. for a newspaper in Milwaukee but then when it became clear it was Minneapolis I uh, you know I, I was interviewed and they offered me the job and Obviously, I mean, JB, you know this as well as I do. Little things happen in your life yep. that have great impact. And at the time, my whole idea was go there a few years and then move up somewhere else. But I stayed, and because of the you know the newspaper job I was offered, you know I met my wife Mary, who you know I met you. Mm-hmm. You know I got uh, to work with KQ, and the uh, I went from the the uh, Pioneer. I went to the Pioneer Press from the Star Tribune to be a columnist there. And I just completed 31 years and decided that, you know, I've had enough. And I also, I was part-time for the last five or six years at the Pioneer Press, or maybe even a little more than that, writing a few times a month. But I just decided I don't want to, uh, you know, I just got, I got tired of it. And, you know, I decided I'm just done. And it's nice to do, you mentioned the BS show, the podcast I do. So pretty much I have the podcast and, I do a little freelance writing, and I also I'm on the school board in Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo, <laughs> Hanover, Montrose. I enjoy that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I'm still as busy as ever because you know I mean you do your podcast. It's a lot of time. It's time consuming,
1: right? Yeah, you I, know I'm always thinking about guests and trying to wrangle guests, and it's.
0: Well, uh, you've had a pretty good.
1: I, I've been, as I told my oldest brother, I've been lucky. I've gotten to know a few people in my lifetime. so
0: I've been Well, lucky. I mean, you are you are as connected as anyone at the University of Minnesota, and you know everybody that's there and has been there. And obviously your friendships that you developed with the teams you worked with. I mean, I could tell when I see some posts, particularly, I think the last team that you worked with was the women's softball team. Those right. women adore you. You know, you could tell that there's an affection that they have for you and you have for them. That yes. It will last a lifetime.
1: Yeah, it, it was one of those things where if you were to ask me, because you, you wind up building a relationship with one of your teams. And let's face it, I worked Gopher football for 22 years and I have connections with those guys. And I've interviewed a few of those and I got probably be reaching out to a few more. But if you would have asked me, I'd have told you for sure it would have been go for baseball. And I was dead wrong. It's been go for softball. And I still have a connection with them. I, When they need glove work done, they reach out to me and whatnot. So, and they had, uh the head coach, uh, she was a player there. She was not a player when I was there. But, um, she and I have still have a close relationship. She was an assistant for three different coaching staffs there. So oh. yes, she uh uh she uh started with uh Bernstein and, and Julie Standering. Uh was hired by uh Al kept by Alistair and then was kept by um Jamie Traxel. And they finally decided that she was probably the best candidate of anybody around the country. So
0: Well, that's great for now. Okay, how many teams did you work with? Football, uh, men's and women, men's baseball, softball. You did? Did you do soccer and track as well?
1: I did soccer, men's track. uh, My last year, I had men's and women's track, uh, wrestling, both gymnastics teams, both golf teams. Um, It would probably be easier for me to say I didn't do I didn't do swimming. I didn't do diving. Crew. I didn't do hockey, and I didn't do. And as Gary say, didn't do tennis. But that'd be a lie because I did men's tennis when I was a student. So. So uh, you
0: didn't do basically you didn't do anything that involved water or frozen water. Right.
1: <laughs> so,
0: so basically,
1: I didn't have a history with those teams, and nor yeah. crew. Well, in water. So yeah, I didn't have crew either. Outside of that, I've had some connection with. Some sport either during my student time or my full time. So,
0: when when you did wrestling, Jay was Jay Robinson was the coach, right? No,
1: I was wrestling was my last wrestling was my last sport ever at the university. Oh, I thought it was softball. No, it was wrestling. My last event that I worked was men's wrestling. Okay, yeah, I um I got softball ready and did a couple of weeks. Of that last season, and it, that here's here's the story of my life, Bob. I I left as they were, you know. I did three weeks of that season, and that season happened to be the year they went to the College World Series. Oh my! <laughs> that is the absolute so set them up. story of my life.
0: Yeah, but you got them all set up for it, right? That's <laughs> right. the way to look at
1: it. So, um, yeah,
0: sir, you were there for him,
1: right? Yeah, you know, they thought enough of, of me to get me a couple of T-shirts that hang that hang in the man cave of the Green Circle Studio, so from the College World Series. So, very neat, right? But getting back to you, um, so you're on the morning. We're on the morning show. How did you get tied into the morning show?
0: I well, it was after it was there was that guy that they had from Channel Five.
1: Oh, yeah, that um, idiot.
0: After Mark Rosen left. Right. And and, and Tom wanted to do something different. I heard him talking about wanting to do something different. And I had been on the show the previous um, spring right. when Randall McDaniel was drafted. Right. And I had called and said, hey, look, you want me to come in and do some football for you? And he said, yeah. And that Paso and I started at the same time. And when I came in, I was it wasn't every day. I was like three days a week to start. Mm-hmm. And then it morphed into five days a week for decades. And then, you know, when I was, uh, fired for the first time and I, I keep, I joke about it, partially joke about it. Right. I'm, I've got to be the only guy to be fired like four times by the same media organization. <laughs> right. Because I also was fired by the ticket too. Uh, Mike right. Morris and I were both, you know, everyone was fired, so they, they just did away with it. And that happened, actually, like three months after I was fired by KQ the first time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then the ticket disappeared. Um, but then, you know, they brought me back after 13 months. Or Tom, you know, said, why don't you come on back, which I did. And then I, you know, I wound up getting fired again uh, with COVID started. Um, right. I was let go and Dave Mordahl and Philip Wise, and apparently it was a cumulus basically corporate wide. They got rid of anyone who was not full-time and under contract. Uh, and then uh, actually it was like 15 months or whatever it is this time. Tom had asked me to come back and talk some football on Friday. So that's what I'm currently doing. I mean, I enjoy it and I'm right. very thankful to uh, Mike Bryan sponsors the segment, mm-hmm. you know, Mike. Oh yeah. And he's, spon- great, cause
1: he's, a great, he's a sponsor he of this show. your
0: show. Right. Yeah. He's a, he's a great sponsor and he, you know he really um, he, he likes podcasts and and radio and, and we are all thankful for that. Yes, but um, you know, but I, I know I'll be fired again probably at the end of the season. So then I'll be working on it again, yet right. again. I got to get that fifth firing, you know, to equal Buddy Martin. And so I guess I have to be hired once more and fired. Then I have to get one more to break his record because I think he was fired five times. But I think Steinbrenner fired him four or five. I got to double check. I think right. it was five times. Well, but, it, yeah, I enjoyed. I, I, but basically, I had two full-time jobs for thirty years. Right, you know the newspaper and that, and I, I enjoyed. Uh, you know, I enjoyed both of them. I had a great time working for the newspaper because I got to, you know, you met a lot of people at the U, that you have friendships with, and I, I made a lot of friends. I mean, what's interesting when you cover a team, you become more. I um, will use the word intimate, not you know, intimate in a sexual way, but right. you become more friendly with the guys who work for the team, like the, the you know, the, the guys who work in the PR department, than mm-hmm. you do with the people at your own paper. You can never see them. Right. You know, and that's where you, you, I have friendships that go back. I just talked to somebody who had been a PR assistant back in 1984, when I started covering the Vikings during the Lex, the less Steckel error. And that's E R R O R not P R A. That was the error, But, Chuck Sanger, and he um, uh, he wound up becoming a PR guy with Canterbury, and now he's he does PR in Milwaukee. He's got a firm that he, he you know he, he has, uh, his own firm, and he called me about something tonight. So, I mean, the friendships go deep when, you know, like you know, you, you meet people and you, you stay friends. And I, I stayed friends more with people that worked for the teams than I have with people I worked with, because you're with them every day.
1: Yeah, you 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 brought up two uh, infamous people, Les Steckel, who yes, who uh, had his way of trying to motivate the Vikings in his what a
0: year, year and a half of being the Vikings coach. No, he was a coach for one year, three and thirteen. And I remember the game where he lost the team completely. <laughs> they were playing in Oakland, and when they lost that Oakland game, it was over. I mean, this team just quit on him. And he was the guy, actually, I still say this to this day, Greg Wong was covering the Vikings for the Pioneer Press. I was the beat guy for the Star Tribune. And he wrote what I still think is the best lead I've seen on a story. Uh, he, said This is late in the season. Because Les, Les Stuckel was a former Marine, mm-hmm. always talking about being a Marine, how he took like 156 men into battle. And Greg's lead was... Les Steckle always talks about taking 156 men into battle. He never says how many came back, (laughs) which summed up, you know, because he didn't care. His goal was to have the first all Christian uh, Super Bowl team, which clearly wasn't going to happen. No. And I, JB, I I got to know some of the players and even their wives because I lived. In a place called Cedars of Edina, and a lot of players live there too. Right. And one of the wives came up to me and she said, My husband doesn't know what to do if he should be carrying a playbook or a Bible. <laughs> so she said, He carries one in each arm <laughs> Just
1: oh, to make man. the team.
0: So it was, ba- it was a bad year, great year to cover, bad year for the franchise.
1: Now, you hear stories of dirty diapers and punching. Yes. Blackboards
0: and all kinds of crazy. Punching himself in the face, face. knocking himself out. You know? Right, <laughs> Just he cut. was he was out there, and then there was the one year of Bud. Right. Um. I I obviously did not cover Bud Grant, uh, prior to, uh, eighty five because I wasn't here then. But but I got along with him. But he was he was not an easy coach to get along with because right. this was at a time when the NFL had opened all the locker rooms. Mm-hmm. We had to have media access, and Bud would not. Give us access when we were supposed to get it. So Kurt Brown and I, who worked at the Pioneer Press um, at that point, because I think Greg only did it for the '84 season, we basically told the uh, the pro football writers in the league, "Look, we're not getting access." So we got access, but then we found out. I went to talk to an assistant coach, and I was told Bud said we can't talk to you. So I said to Bud, "Bud, why can't we talk to the assistant coaches?" And his colleague smiled and said. You can't hold all the cards.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but that was typical of Bud.
1: You know. Yeah, and but, plus, but then we
0: got to Jerry Burns and right. JB. I don't know if you got to know Jerry, but he was the most fun to cover of any coach ever. He was a great guy, and he just was—you I mean he was a character.
1: Well, you you uh, asked the inf didn't you ask the infamous question about um, uh, what was it um, Game Face or something like that.
0: That well, set him off? Was, no, what was set him off, it had to do, the first thing that set him off was um, 87 season. They play on the Saturday and lose to the Redskins. Final regular season game. All the At the time, it was the St. Louis Cardinals. All mm-hmm. the Cardinals had to do was win, and they would have been in the playoffs. They lost, and that Monday, we get together with Jerry Burns, and I said, well, Jerry, how do you feel? Your team backed into the playoffs. He got pissed off about that, and then that just started to go. And that day, unfortunately, there's no, there is absolutely no audio of it because none of us were bright enough to record it. Right. But that was the day when Killer Instinct started. With Yes. Him. Killer Instinct. I said, yes, Killer Instinct, Killer Instinct. <laughs> I said to him, I said, well, you know, how do you, your team doesn't have Killer Instinct. And he goes, the whole Killer instinct, whoever started that Killer Instinct. I said, I think it was Charles Manson. And he goes, Manson, yeah. And then he started going. He had no idea who Charles Manson was. But that's after that, uh, and then when Herschel Walker came, I knew if it was a slow news day, I could bring up Killer Instinct, Herschel Walker, or quarterback controversy, and I'd have a heck of a story. (laughs) Because he would go off on any of them. But he never held anything against you. He was just a great Guy and a, you know I thought he was a terrific coach
1: too. Never met him, but I heard people would echo your sentiments. The other person you brought up, but you didn't say his name, was Mark Curtis, the idiot at Channel Five who, yes, who, who never learned any of like the cities in in uh, the metropolitan area. He called Shakopee, Shakopee, <laughs> <laughs> Edina, he, he called it Edina. Edna, Edina, Edina, yeah, <laughs> just, just a blabbering idiot, just, uh.
0: <laughs> yes. And but he didn't last long at all. No. And that's when uh, Jeff, you know, Bassel, uh Tom talked to Bassel about replacing him, and then he decided it was football season to bring me. And I'm thankful that it lasted beyond the football season. Right. You know that was fun. And I will tell you what, the other thing about it is, basically every day I went in, I just assume it'll be my last day. Right, kind of like if you ever watched the Princess Bride you know the uh, um, the, 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 the the pirate you know he would be the, the, he became the cabin boy the one who became mm-hmm. the you know the uh, pirate Roberts and uh, you know every day he just figured he would be his last day and then he'd let him live another day that's right. sort of how I felt so I'm getting you know having 31 years after Tom I'm the longest tenured member of the morning show so that's something that right. You know, to, I get to hang a hat on, if anything. And I, you know, and it still goes on, even if it's only one day a week. And now, you know, because you had to do it, too. I honestly don't think that I could still drive in every morning because I would get up at four o'clock. Right. It was a killer, especially like, I, you know, I thought about this because we're supposed to get really bad. As you know, um, we're, we're talking about storms coming in icy yep. conditions. I could not ride in icy, take my car in icy conditions anymore. Yep. There were a few times I had really close calls.
1: We're supposed to be, uh, so my listeners know, we're supposed to have the storm of the century, and we're not talking about snow in December. We're talking about, no. I just saw a flash of lightning. We're talking about a thunderstorm in the middle of December yep. in Minnesota. It was 56 degrees today. All if We had 19 inches of snow last week, except for the snow banks. It's all gone.
0: <laughs> well, and it's going to be nothing but ice, they claim. And there's people, hopefully not where you are and I am, but south of us and into Wisconsin and Illinois, they could get tornadoes. They could get 60 to 80-mile-an-hour winds. Yeah, they're I mean, it, it could be as devastating as what happened in Mayfield, Kentucky, and those other states. Hopefully not. Right. But when, when people are listening to this, to this, they'll know by then, they'll know what had happened Right. And how bad it might have been. Yeah, and they- you and I got a late start because I had to run out. And get oil for my uh, generator. I've had a generator sitting in a box, a big one, mm-hmm. for like two years in anticipation of a weather event. And I, if, if we're gonna take it out, now's the time, so we can keep our waterers going for because we have horses. So anyway, I don't. Well, want to I was
1: listening. Well, I was listening to the radio in my lunch break about three o'clock today, and they uh, stated that Excel Energy had already published a, <laughs> a statement saying. People are going to lose power tonight. We apologize for that, and we'll get it back as soon as we can. I mean, it's like wow, it's like nothing we can do but repair it because it's going to happen. So, well, it'll be a
0: while before they get to it, too. That's the other thing because there's right. these winds that yeah. are expected. Well, so hopefully,
1: if they if the temperature stays above free, freezing, then we'll make it. If it drops below freezing, it's going to be a hell of a problem.
0: Well it, it yeah we'll, we'll see how it happens. It's supposed to definitely drop we'll
1: see <laughs> Well, let's get off the gloom and doom. I mean, Bob, let's face it, you know you've worked in newspapers, radio, TV, um, podcasts, you've been a part of beauty pageants. <laughs> you even got yeah, me I've... involved in that once why well, I was part of <laughs> a judge judging for a beauty pageant. How did you? That was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fun. It was interesting. It was in. It was a glimpse into a world that I never even thought about learning anything about. How did you get involved in Beauty Patch?
0: I got sucked into it because my wife wanted to. She and my wife. Well, I'll give you the background on uh, you know this, but for of your listeners. My wife Mary and I met in Sweden, and she wasn't. She might have some Swedish in her, but um, she. Uh, she was a Vikings cheerleader, and in 1988, the Vikings went to Ytterborg, Gothenburg, to uh, you know, to right. Anglicize it, and to play the Bears in an exhibition game. And I was there with the uh, Star Tribune at the time, and we met there. You know, we met like at four or five in the morning, and she had, she had, she went back to her room, and it because the place was, I think, closing, and her roommate and visitor tried calling me, and. At the hotel, they didn't speak great English, so this is what was interesting about it. Uh, she got somebody answered, and it turned out it was Bob Schnelker, who, <laughs> the offensive coordinator, <laughs> and he was pissed.
1: Yes, he I was guess. like, "Who is it?"
0: You know, he's like screaming at her. She just hung up, didn't want her to know. But anyway, you no, know, we here's the thing that to me was interesting. Uh, we turns out we lived in the same apartment complex that Cedars of the Dine I mentioned, mm-hmm. and never ran into each other. Wow. So. You know, because it's, it's got five different buildings. But right. um, at the time we met, she had already moved uh, in with one of the other cheerleaders. But for a period of a year or so, we were in the same complex and never did meet. So, you know, we she but she wanted to do she was a Vikings cheerleader for I think, nine years. And she also she was the first she has this distinction. She was the very first uh, Vikings cheerleader to go to the Pro Bowl because they started taking cheerleaders to the Pro Bowl. And she was the first class of pro bowl cheerleaders and then uh, but when we got married within a year there was the mrs minnesota pageant she wanted to do that so she wound up winning that and we just got back was it last week or the i'm losing track of days you know it would have been the week before my daughter was is miss rodeo minnesota so we were in las vegas for the miss rodeo america competition and it's been a busy few weeks because i you know, Sam did that, and you know, I think you've met Sam, right? Oh yeah, uh, I
1: know Sam. Uh, yeah, what, you used to yeah. do Tom's podcast. And Sam oh, of was our boarder. Right.
0: Yeah, she produced it, and she, right. and, you know, she's not a producer at AM eleven thirty, but you know, so we were there for that. And on either side of that, the weekend before Thanksgiving, I was in St. Louis, your old stomping grounds, mm-hmm. uh, for the uh, regional, um, the regionals for college rugby, because my. My son who just turned 20 on uh, the other day, uh, he's on the St. John's rugby team. So they won the regional and went to the nationals in Houston. So I was there this past weekend and it's been, there's it, been a lot of traveling right? in, uh, in the last few weeks. So I'm glad to be home and it's great to hunker down and then deal with a storm. But I mean, it was exciting and fun to watch both of them, you know, get a chance to compete. And uh, unfortunately, neither one of them won. <laughs> right. But, it was fun to watch.
1: Right, and They got a chance, and you got a chance to be a proud papa. Speaking about, no, being, it was fun. It was right. good. Speaking of being a proud papa, um, you have foster kids also. You and Mary.
0: Well, before Mary and I had Sam, mm. we had a, a foster daughter who she was thirteen when she came to live with us. She stayed with us till she was nineteen or older, and she's you know she's now like forty. But yeah, it was we've had we did foster care for about 16 years. And the reason we, um, at one point we just decided not, I mean, we had a great, uh, we had some rough ones in there, but the last one was terrific. And the first one was terrific. And there were other good ones too. But after the last one, she was only a few years older than our daughter. Mm -hmm. And we decided we didn't want to do foster care and have kids that were close in age to ours because it would turn into rivalries. Right. And that's why we stopped. And, you know, but, Every one of our kids, um, I think it, even the last one, grew up with a foster kid in the house. And I mean, the first one and the last one, we, we stay in touch with several others, but those are the two that have kind of remained still part of the family. And the last one now is a mom of her on her own, doing a great, I mean, she's a terrific parent. And the thing that's most gratifying about her, when she came to live with us, she was like a goth. Everything was black, the black right. makeup. And she told Mary that when she was a little kid, her goal was to be a cheerleader. Well, it turned out she not only became a cheerleader, she became captain of the Orono cheerleading team. So, I mean, it, she was a real success story. And in a way, all of them were, but some of them had issues that you know were not as easy to overcome as others were. Some of them were able to you know, embrace the life that they had an opportunity to have, and others, you know, it didn't work out so well. Right. But it was gratifying. And it goes back to something... That I've always said, and it sounds corny, but I, um, as we were when we we're all young, we think we could change the world. At some point, I realized it's it's more important if you could have a not change, but just have an impact in your own little corner of the world, which It's why I was on the Orono City Council for eight years, and why for the last six years I've been on the school board in uh, in Buffalo Hanover Montrose District, because it's important to me to you know to try to do something to help out in your community in some way. So, so it's been gratifying in that regard. And, you know, foster care certainly was gratifying, um, you know, but I don't, I don't know. I'm getting too old to to do it again. (laughs) Right. But, you know, it was, it was good when we did it. And um, I, I did enjoy, and I, it it was gratifying. And I, I was rambling there a little bit. I don't want to give the impression these kids. Any of the kids were bad, but some of them, you just know that you reached and touched more than. Oh, yes.
1: No, I I get that. I mean and you know my story, I've been a step parent to my yes. my own child uh half siblings and I'm a part of uh his youngest sister's life now who's she's a senior in college at F- Florida A&M University and proud of her and happy to be in her life. So uh To have a daughter has brought a new perspective in my life that I never had before, so I'm happy with that.
0: I got two of them. That is another perspective. Yeah.
1: You were talking about your son being a college athlete. One of the biggest head bumps that Bob and I used to have would speak about college athletics, especially college football, and I would just say keep your son out of the transfer portal. Bob, can you believe how college sports have
0: gone crazy in the past two years? No, and you know what, JB? I think what we, we we haven't seen it happen yet, but what you're just going to have are the super teams that they all these kids go for that licensing. Yes. I think the uh, uh, Lincoln Riley going to Southern Cal, he is going to have a dynasty there. Because if you're a kid and think about it, why wouldn't you go to Southern Cal with this new NIL, where you can just basically, um, you know, you can get endorsements, you could make movies, you could you could do a ton of things, and the opportunities in Southern California are going to be vast. Well, and I'm sure he's going to play that up. Well,
1: supposedly the rule is the the, the school can't be involved in getting you a, in uh, uh, NIL deal,
0: but. You know the no, but the coach could say, "Hey, if you come here, you're going to have a lot of opportunities." Right. I and mean, we all know how that goes. Right.
1: I heard last week, University of Texas, all offensive linemen will be paid was it a certain amount of money to come there to be an offensive. Some business owner will pay they, them. They're, they're
0: going to. It's going to. It's going to destroy these. Um, well, it could even destroy a team like the Gophers. Yeah, because I don't know if they're going to be able to match anything like that. I mean, a lot of the, there's a number of big TED teams that won't be able to match it, or their administrations won't let them let someone like that. Hey, we'll pay if you come. Or we'll hire you to do a, we'll put a billboard up with you on it. Here's 10 grand or 20 grand or whatever. Well, it is.
1: And that's why these businesses can, if they're smart, they'll just contact the kid and do the thing yes. with the kid. But the sad thing is, and uh, <clears throat> I've been having discussions on Twitter with a former Gopher quarterback back in the Lou Holtz days, and and he's um, has his doctorate now, and his worry is the alarming number of kids entering the transfer portal and having no place to go.
0: Oh, cause, yeah, because they can't get to another team,
1: right? they don 't have
0: do you think they 'd look into that before they enter the portal
1: The problem is Bob, you got so many of these parents, good reason, bad reason, whatever, who are pushing them to get to somewhere where they can play to then hopefully um, make it to the pros, but you're only talking to, if if you're talking about pros're you 're only talking about what uh football men's and women's basketball, basically men's hockey, and that's it.
0: That, yeah, that that you're right. Baseball, they're not going to get anywhere. And actually, right. women's basketball, that kid from, uh, was it Paige Buchers? Right. From Connecticut, she'll make more through this NIL, this she, licensing thing, than she would playing for a WNBA team. Right. Because they don't pay anything.
1: No. No, she's – Supposedly Gatorade and somebody else is paying her a uh, million dollars. And she's and not she gonna make a right. She's not gonna make a million dollars in the WNBA. No. So it's, it's it's just in some ways it's it's kinda laughable. But con- the thing that you notice is um the endorsement deals have gone going basically going to quarterbacks. Um Big, Bigger name like receivers or running backs. And then for the most part, these companies are reaching out to female athletes.
0: Yeah. Well, I, at the U, I'm guessing and it, that Gable Stevenson probably is making the most yes. of the endorsement deals than anyone else. I mean, there's no football player that's approaching him, is there?
1: No. I think the biggest football player is the, the seven year Tanner, T- Tanner Morgan.
0: Yeah. What did and you he, say? You say the seven-year quarterback? Yeah, the
1: seven-year. Quarter. It's like at a certain point, cut the ties, man. Develop another player. <laughs> Do something. You well, know, he's got to
0: be. He he probably would be too old to enter the NFL when he's done with college football. <laughs> probably they won't want him because he'll be in his mid-thirties.
1: Probably, um, but it's it's just the 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 tenor of the discussion also was. Um, not only will these kids not have a place to go, and and uh you know why are they so into it? And my thing was, well, it's learned behavior because they watch the coaches come and go. Yeah, and uh, and also a lot of people don't know this, but watch the athletic directors come and go because they're all ladder climbers. You know, they're all trying to get yeah, to their next right. big job. And so what are the kids supposed to get out of it? You know, they, you know, they watch the adults in the room come and go,
0: so they think that's the thing to do. And they've made it easier for them to do it. Right. And I also, see, I, I happen to think that if you go, let's say you go to Minnesota to, to play for Flex. They claim, well, you're going to, no, you're not. You're going to play for that coach. It's not the school. Right. That coach leaves. You should be released. But you should not be allowed to go to the school he's going to. Right. In an odd way. I just don't think they should be held to staying there. when the coach they went to play for left.
1: And that was the odd thing with with Richard being let go and them finding him a job so they didn't have to pay his buyout. (laughs) I was like, that is shrewd. Well, we're gonna- yeah, to they, they, Yeah, they 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 did take care of them, didn't they? Right. Didn't they? <laughs> they? They made sure they didn't have to pay his buyout by finding him a job. Yeah. It's like, wow. Smart but, deal. Right. But Mashburn with went with them, and now how stupid does Mashburn feel? In a way, he could be here and be playing for um, Ben Johnson. And and be on a team that's actually surprising people.
0: Okay, let me ask you that I had no idea that they would. Now, we don't know how the rest of the season is going to go, but right. Ben Johnson certainly has got this team off to a great start. I didn't think that it was. I thought they should have hired one of the veterans and then let them bring Johnson in to groom them to replace them. But he's done a terrific job. He's got these kids buying in, and that win in Michigan was huge. And we'll see how it, the rest of the season goes. But what are they already, 9-1, right? Right,
1: 9-1. Outside of, you know, Purdue, uh, Michigan State, and uh, Illinois, I don't see why they couldn't go 500 in the conference.
0: And if, well, they, go, and if they do, they're going to
1: make the, the postseason. Right. In his first year with a bunch of also-rans, and who are they? You know? Yeah. But they're all, you know, fourth-year, fifth-year seniors. They, except for the game yesterday, they don't throw the ball away. They don't play. You know, they play defense. They hustle. They dive. They do the. They do the little things that Richard never got them to do. And well, you know,
0: it, it, yesterday the other night that was not a good team, obviously. But right. What impressed me about the Gophers is all those turnovers, twenty plus turnovers, and they still win. Right. Because they. Like, a lot of te- the Vikings would have folded like a cheap bingo chair, because, you know. <laughs> right. And they have against Detroit. But he's got them believing in themselves. And, uh, yeah, uh I, I mean, he's done a terrific job so far. Hopefully it, it keeps up. And did you – you obviously were working there when he was a player. Yes. Did you know him very well? Well, I also knew
1: him as an assistant coach because he, he was an oh, assistant yeah. coach under uh Richard for a couple of years. And then he left and he followed yep. a few other people. And when the job came open and everybody asked me, who did I see getting hired? And I kept saying, Ben Johnson. And everybody said, you're crazy. And I was like, eh, we'll see. And it was not because of anything I heard from over there because I wasn't hearing anything. But here's here's the, the the thing that's happening at a lot of colleges. They're hiring alumnus, except yep. for football, and in some places, except for basketball. They're hiring alumnus because you can get them cheaper.
0: <laughs> and they'll <laughs> because, be more likely to stay.
1: Right. They're more likely to stay, and you can get them cheaper because they want the job so bad.
0: Yeah. So, that makes sense. Um, and, I mean, but he also wisely – didn't he hire some veteran coaches? Yes, to be he brought back – so,
1: and he, that's smart. Right. He brought back Dave Thorson, who's a longtime assistant over there under a couple of coaches and, and um, knows that he and Dave can recruit this area, which has been a problem with all the yeah. talent that's left here. And um, also they can recruit nationally. I mean, he's already got three local kids, so um, that's a step in the right direction. And the wins he's got, he's got two – big-time road wins, um, and Richard had none last year. So, I yeah. mean, I just thought, to me, I thought it made sense, but I also knew that's the way. And the other thing was, at the time, you would hear some rumblings around campus that they hired, had to hire an African-American. So I was like, well, you kill three three birds with one stone by hiring Ben. So... I'm not saying that was the reason why, but I said it It literally took a lot of heat off the president and Mark Coyle by hiring Ben. Well, is, he, so, is he the
0: only minority head coach in of any men's program, but of women, too? Uh,
1: yes. And that's why there was heat.
0: <laughs> well, but, I mean, he also, he, he has certainly had the credentials. Oh, yeah. So uh, it, it turned out to be a good hire, and... and I'm just amazed that they went that long without a, you know, a a minority head coach because there's certainly good ones in every sport.
1: Right. No, they do not have one in any other sport over there. So, and they don't, uh, I, I, you know, I can count within the support staffs of all the teams. I can count on (laughs) one hand. The amount of African-Americans. That's,
0: I guess I hadn't even stopped and thought about that. That's something yeah. that needs to be rectified.
1: Oh, yeah. But um, they didn't have any trouble watching me walk out the door. That's my only comment on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and they lost one of the best. <laughs> Let me just say that I totally didn't want to go, but I
0: didn't, yeah.
1: you know. They'll deny that they were forcing me out, but whatever.
0: Yeah, you moved on.
1: Yeah. Um, So now you, you you, you, you know, you built your media, you continue to build your media empire, and you got into pageants and
0: politics. Why did you get into politics? I never really have been into politics because running for a uh, city council seat, It has nothing to do with um, what your political. I've never people think that I'm, you know, that I'm Republican. I've never joined any party. I'm an independent, and running for a school board is the same thing. You don't, you're not like a Democrat or Republican or anything when you -hmm. run. You just run. So I really have not been uh, into politics. I uh, I certainly have some strong opinions related to politics, but I'm not um, I'm not a politician and. And people would be surprised to know that there are some left-leaning views that I have, and there are certainly some right-leaning views. I tilt more to the right than the left, but I, I do have some left-leaning views yeah. that surprise people when I, you know, when I talk about. Them.
1: <laughs> and I always knew that about you. And um, matter of fact, our friend Philip, who um, I think Philip is. He was supposed to move to vegas i don't I think he has done that, but he's um
0: he always had good things to say about you because well, was a big, I'm still a big fan. I talked to Philip it's been months a few months now right and when I talked to him he had he was talking about the move, but then he delayed it, and then he said he's still going to get it done. I hope he did because he wants to be near his daughter, and I hope that happened i should I should reach out to him and find out if he did make the move.
1: Well, I always send him uh uh, personally and privately, my podcast every every week because uh, he was a big motivator in me doing this. He wouldn't let it go. He just, we can do it at the casino. And it's like, and at the time I was working in athletics, like I can't do it at a casino.
0: <laughs> can't well, is do- he has he been a guest? Have you had him on as a guest? No, he refuses to do it. You know, uh, he pretty much did the same thing to me, too, and I was surprised. Because right. there was a time, I think he got a little, you know, bitter when he stopped doing KQ. Right. He doesn't really want to be bothered with it, because he used to come on my show, not all the time, but whenever I had asked. But when I asked him last time when we talked, he said, nah, I don't want to do it. I'll I'll do something to, my, to myself sometime. So well, I'm not going to push him.
1: He told me he was retired. Yes. <laughs> but um, which,
0: is, which is a good way to put it.
1: No, nope. between Philip, Tom, and yourself, I finally just threw my hands up and said, all right, I'll do it. I have no clue how to do this. I don't even know what to buy. And, and then with the help of um, Cassie Schrader and um, and Tevin. Andy? No, Tevin. Oh,
0: Tevin, yeah. Yeah. Tevin's a great guy. Yeah.
1: Um. I was able to um, figure out what to buy. It wasn't, and it wasn't as, you know. I did it for less than three hundred bucks. So pretty good. Yeah,
0: three hundred bucks. It's not that low. What do you What do you call it? JB's low 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 tech podcast. Low tech. It's not that low tech. (laughs) It is. If you were just using your cell phone, it'd be low tech.
1: (laughs) Well, my cell phone is part of it, but it's not the only part. I do have. I do have a mixing board. I do have a microphone, and I do. the 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 key part was the interface. When Tevin said, "Yep, you need an interface," I was like, uh, "What the hell is that?" And I was like, "Oh, this is going to kill me." It was sixty-eight
0: bucks. <laughs> so, I think you could handle that. Yeah. Well, I remember. I mean, you were doing some uh, commentaries, right? That I was running on the, the BS show, and all of a sudden, you stopped doing them, and then I see that JB's you know, low tech podcast, which I was glad to see because it was really what you should have been doing all along. And it's, it's great that you have guests on and give them a chance to just spout like I am. Right. I mean, I've told you more than I've ever said anywhere on the air because no one's ever given me the forum to speak (laughs) as much as that. And I don't, I don't do it on my show because I interview people and talk to them. I don't talk about myself. So I've talked about myself more than I have, you know, ever in a, uh, a format like this.
1: I've had um, family members and friends all tell me the one thing they like about my podcast is I ask questions and then I shut up.
0: <laughs> well, that's what, I mean that's what that's what really great interviewers do. They just let them talk. I un, un, unfortunately I interrupt a lot when I do an interview because <laughs> I want to get to the next the next thing. Right. So, but it's no, it's it's good that you you know you have let me just uh, move on and you know and chat. And it's been uh, it, it, it it is fun. I don't know if we're wrapping up here or
1: not, but no, has, not. What we've just, done
0: so far has been fun,
1: right? No, and I mean, um, I sit back and every once in a while something might happen in the world, you know, and I'll go, yeah. oh, I know somebody who does that. I'll have them on, <laughs> yeah. But it, it does break my heart when I reach out to somebody like Philly are uh Sarah Gronwagen are um a few others and they won't do it it's like i'm not going to and in the case of Sarah Gronwagen i think she's. i think that she thinks that i'll have her on and make on and make fun of her and i won't do that you know no i've had other people on who were nervous about doing it and after they did it, they were like, "This is the best thing I've ever done." So like, yeah, because all I do is ask, ask questions, and then back away. You get to talk about yourself. Myself, Who's right. gonna complain about that? <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Oh man, this is the easiest thing I've ever done." So now, so how, how many get? How many
0: episodes are you into this?
1: Thirty? No, I'm at. This will be
0: number forty six. Oh my God! I didn't realize it's been almost a year. Right? Holy cow!
1: This is this will be number forty-six, and I've had uh,
0: four best ofs. Wow! Well, have you? Okay, now you've had Mike Bryan as a guest, right? Right. He's a great guest. I mean, he, you know, especially when you get him talking about New England sports, because he he, and uh, we did, and
1: And we did, yeah, because we talked about one that we had in common, or two we had in common. Wash, what two? Was the uh, Saint Louis well and it was like things came around in both instances. As a little kid myself, the Boston Bruins beat the Saint Louis Blues in nineteen seventy. And uh so you
0: were a really little kid, kid back then. Right.
1: Well I was um eight and the payback was in two thousand nineteen when the Blues beat the Boston Bruins to win the first ever Stanley Cup for this for St. Louis
0: and then long
1: time coming. And then we talked about 1968 when the Cardinals beat the Red Sox to win the world series. Well, in 2000, whatever, the Red Sox beat the Cardinals to win the world series. So in both cases, things evened out. So,
0: yeah, but yeah, you're tied going forward,
1: right? (laughs) So the, you know, I've had Mike Bryan on, I've had, uh, Tim, talk about Hollywood I've had Dave Schrader on um Oh Darkness Dave yep. Yeah Darkness Dave I called him the uh, a real ghostbuster you know I've had people on who Tom have had on uh I've already I've had National Comics on um I've already have one comic booked for uh next year already uh Chad Daniels Okay and, and um I have a high school buddy booked who's a big 10 football referee. I have him.
0: Interesting.
1: I have him booked for next, uh, uh, in January. So yeah. Um, and I've had a friend on who's, um, he's a cop in DC.
0: So he's seen plenty.
1: Yeah. He, he's, he's part of that police, uh, Crew that protects the federal buildings and whatnot. He was oh. not on that day and was waiting for the call to come in. That never wow. happened. Yeah, wow. we grew up as kids. So, well, have you ever had one of your siblings on? I've had two of them on. Oh, good. And, and well, my uncle. Yeah, one of my oh, your uncle, too. Neat. Yeah, my uncle, who's the last remaining person of his family, you know, my dad's family. Um yep. he talked so long about civil rights and different things. This is when the the you know the topic was really hot. I had to make it a two parter.
0: Real wow.
1: <laughs> so yeah. And um I've had my two of my brothers on and I had a third. I call those lost episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a third and realized the whole time he and I were talking, my mic wasn't on. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm going well, to have to Well, it's on him. now, I hope. Oh, yeah, it's on now.
0: Because I can hear, you fine.
1: Right. But, and he could hear me, so that's why I didn't think the, there was no issue. And then I went back to, to edit it, and it's like, oh, I didn't have my mic on. But I had his daughter on a couple of weeks ago. She's a. Uh, and it was about uh, being an entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, yeah. and she's an entrepreneur, young entrepreneur down in Texas. So
0: you uh, you've run the gamut here. I'll yeah, that you've
1: had. Yeah, and one of them, uh, my oldest brother I had him on because he has his own basketball academy in St. Louis, mostly with young females. But um,
0: yeah, I mean. Okay, so wait a minute. your brother has a basketball academy, which would suggest he has a basketball background. How did you get into hockey? <laughs> well,
1: and we talked about that on that episode, um, and also with my other brother, who was a, a uh, high school principal, and we talked about education and, you know whatnot. Yeah. I fell in love with hockey when, the, when I was six years old, and the NHL All-Star game was on, and it was in St. Louis. But they televised it, and my dad turned it on for some unknown reason because he wasn't a big hockey person. And I sat down and watched it with him and fell in love with it, learned the game, learned the game taught it to, and I have three older brothers, taught it to my three older brothers, and my young, and I have one younger brother, and the other kids in the neighborhood. And we started a street hockey team that was funded by the church, Catholic church we went to.
0: Oh, okay. Well, let me ask you a question now. My fit, He's going to be 16 next week. Yeah. He wants to start playing hockey with his friends. Is it too late at 16 to learn hockey? No. In Minnesota particularly?
1: No, it's never too late. Um, what he needs to do is find a figure skating coach.
0: Oh, because all why do you say that?
1: all of the the, the uh, rudimentary stuff like crossovers and push-offs and all of that, yep. you will learn in figure skating. Oh! I mean, I, I kind of skated, you know, intramural and whatnot. But then when I took the uh, skating class at the university, my skating changed.
0: You became a better, better skater? skater. Yeah. And well, okay. So should I get them? If I, you know, if I should I get him hockey skates or figure yeah, skating? Yeah, get
1: them hockey skates. But because uh, I actually did this a couple of times when I coached, we would bring in. We would call her a power skating instructor, but she was just yeah, a, figure she was skating, a figure skating. She was a figure skating instructor. Skater. Right. That's funny. Yeah. Because all of the the basics you need to be a well balanced and power hockey player comes from figure skating.
0: I did not know that. Yeah, it's good to know. <laughs> so,
1: but no, I would never put on a pair of ice skates until I came here to the U. And we had an intramural hockey team, and we would we would screw around in the equipment room over at Beerman with sticks and and ball tennis balls and whatnot, and they. Like, man, you can hold a hockey stick and hit targets and all this stuff. I was like, yeah. I said, but I have no clue if what'll happen if I put on ice skates and put them on one time we were goofing around and didn't fall down. And I was like, well,
0: so, I see. I didn't realize that you didn't really skate till you came to Minnesota.
1: I played roller hockey in St. Louis, but I never played oh. ice hockey.
0: Well, having roller hockey background, that had to make it a lot easier, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, there was some transfer, you know, balance transfers and whatnot. Some things that you did as a roller hockey person that, um, you know, and that was doing, that wasn't, you know, we didn't have roller blades back then. It was, that was the two by two, you know, four wheel skates. Oh,
0: this was not the inline skates. This was actually, (laughs) oh wow, that had to be tough. Yeah. You know,
1: we would play on tennis courts. In St. Louis. Matter of fact, the same tennis court that Arthur Ashe played on. Because he went to my high school for a couple of years.
0: Is that right? Yep. So what was the high school?
1: Charles Sumner High. It's the oldest all-black high school west of the Mississippi. Chuck Berry went there. Tina Turner went there. Arthur Ashe went there. Yeah. It was, it's in an area in St. Louis It's called the Ville Which is short for the village Where yeah. uh, black professionals Raised their families
0: Okay in the, And in the there were no white 60s. families In the whole district?
1: There were a few And we were very and, protective of those Yeah. It was, it, was, it was an odd thing We had one kid He was on the swim team And there was a set of sisters From a different family but we allowed nobody to mess with them. It's an interesting dynamic. <laughs> yes, it is. They were, they were the tokens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we protected
0: well, our tokens. <laughs> so what was most of this? this was the administrative and the, the teachers, were they primarily black? Yes, we had some
1: white. But the interesting thing was most of the teachers went to the same high school.
0: Oh, so they came through the school too. Right. It's like like you were talking about earlier, going back to the school that you played at. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, that is, it is home for you. That's what you learned where you learned so much. So it makes sense that you'd want to go back to that school.
1: Yeah. I, uh, two episodes ago, I interviewed my high school football coach who was instrumental in me getting here to work for go for football. And, um, he won was it three or four state championships at wow. the highest level. And coaching an inner city, you know. We had no home football field at the time. The school now has one and barely has a football team, but we had no home field. And um our women's track team would win track state titles year after year after year, and all we had was a straightaway and a curve. <laughs>
0: Wow.
1: So <laughs> we, we didn't have a full you ever, track.
0: <laughs> you were always the visiting team.
1: <laughs> or we were at somebody else's field. Yeah. Like we oh, would play, if we had a home game, we would play at somebody else's field against uh, another visiting team also.
0: So so what, where did you practice? Did you have a practice field? We had, had a practice well,
1: field, practice. which is they now built an actual home football field on right in front oh, okay. of the school. So we practiced it's right front in of, front of the school. Yeah. We called it scratch old turf because it was weeds, grass, and rocks.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, okay. How old is the school itself? Is it one of these like two, two or three story brick buildings?
1: Uh, yes. It goes back to uh, 1875. No. Yeah.
0: Well, that's got to be one of the oldest schools still in use. Yes. In the
1: it's, it's the oldest. All Black High School, West of the Mississippi, and was named after an, an uh, uh, a New England abolitionist, you know, abolitionist. Yes, Charles Sumner. Wow. So,
0: well, that's that's actually a that's a, a an interesting story you got there.
1: <laughs> so, and you know. When I came to the University of Minnesota, I was the first student athletic trainer ever and then moved to equipment and became the first black student manager in the history of the University of Minnesota. They
0: never had They
1: never had one before me. And I never get mention or any credit for it. So it, it bugs me a little bit. <laughs> well, I
0: understand why. What? What's that? You, know, you were mentioned. It just hit me by the way, completely separate thing. Remember I mentioned the looking glass? Mm-hmm. Brandy was their song. Do you remember that song? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's Brandy a famous a fine song. Girl, blah, yeah. Blah, blah. yeah, that's a that's a famous
1: song. We play it on hit. KQ all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's my those are my guys from the looking glass. <laughs> so so
1: anyway. as people could probably tell. Bob and I have a very strong and long history. He did KQ for, well, he said 30, he's going on 31. I did it for 22. Yeah.
0: And yeah, we we had a meet, was it the late 80s or 90s when we met?
1: Right. It was. was Something like that. Right. And it was, um, and at the time I was the first African-American on a drive-by, or (laughs) drive-time drive-by, drive-time morning (laughs) radio show in, in this market.
0: So. Yeah, you know what? You and Philip sort of were the only ones in morning and morning radio. Right. I don't think anyone else has had a minority on morning radio or an African American to this o- outside day. of I'm uh, not aware of it.
1: outside of um um Yeah,
0: the, them, the radio
1: station over north which, you know.
0: Well, yes, okay, you're right.
1: Which isn't uh,
0: <laughs> KMOJ. Uh, Camo J, right. Outside of that, but outside of a station that is a African American station, right? You were the only two.
1: Yes, and people would try to pit us against each other constantly. It was funny.
0: <laughs> it was not, you have no reason to.
1: I know. He and I would just laugh about it. Yeah. So I um, got to give him.
0: I got to reach out to Philly Dog. I'm glad right. you
1: mentioned that. So. Uh, how is the podcast going for you?
0: It's going great. I mean, I'm very fortunate. I do it every day. I'm one of the few. Um, actually, I don't know if anyone else has. Tom had done it for a while, but I'm not sure if anyone's doing it now. But my uh, my show is on some radio stations. Uh, we're up in Duluth, WDSM,
1: mm-hmm.
0: WNMT in Hibbing, WBHR, the Bear in St. Cloud, the Radio Works Network in Worthington. And then I do a show with Chuck Foreman and Jim Rich. We're on... Uh, stations in Mankato, Alexandria, um, Owatonna. Uh, I mean, we we pretty much hit every pocket of the state with that one because it's about a dozen stations. So um, that's the one thing that you know i I wanted to do was get the podcast on radio, and I've been fortunate in doing that. Um, you know, to get it on a few stations, and and it's not easy because a lot of stations have a tough time finding an you know, an hour every day to slot it in. Right. But I'm you know, I'm happy and fortunate with the ones that I have for my show and also for the Jim Bob show, which is just weekly. But, I mean, some of the stations run it during the football season, and they'll run Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So it's getting a lot of, you know, a lot of play time, which is good.
1: What is the Jim Bob show?
0: It's a sports, basically. It's a lot of it's centered around the Vikings. Okay, and it's Jim Rich from Fox Nine. Chuck Foreman and I are the with the three uh, co-hosts, and we talk. I mean, during the football season and non-football season, we talk a lot of Vikings. During the football season, um, Jim does a segment every week with um, Greg Coleman, who was a Vikings punter, is now the sideline reporter for KFAN. Right, and we usually have a guy that uh, um, he's a nationally. No, he's, a, he's, to me, he's the best sports business guy out there. His name is Rick Harrow. He's the um, uh, managing editor for sports at the Library of Congress. He's written a number of books, and he's also, he puts out a series that's on, used to be on the Fox um, regional networks. Now it's on Valley called the Icons. He's connected. He's helped get stadiums built. He's connected to all of the uh, front offices for hockey, baseball, basketball, and football. And he's just a great, he knows if, if he doesn't know what's going on in the business of sports, no one does. So he's on just about every week as well. So we, you know, we have certain guys that are on. And then Jim, Chuck, and I, uh, we do usually the, the first couple of segments, and then the other ones go there. We had uh, Chico Resch on last week talking about hockey. And yep. Blyle was on talking about uh, Tony Oliva finally getting into the Hall of Fame. So it's that is that is all sports with a BS show. While we talk sports, it's um, it's more broad based. It's whatever's topical, and I have right. Mike Yelfans on with me every Wednesday for a couple of segments. I so, was, you know, he's the connection to KQ. Right. I
1: was just about to mention
0: that you brought back
1: yeah. Mike. You know, you brought back Stretch. To yeah. The, to the public, and he does
0: his, He also does his football picks every week on Fridays, and those actually go um uh, on purpleptsd.com he is uh you know he does his picks and they run the podcast that version of that and I put it on my show as well so I mean it's it's great talking to Mike because he's still hilarious
1: right yeah got I, a lot of free stuff. I need to reach out to him to get him on here but I I, I want politics to kind of heat up again because I know once I ask Mike for you He'll heat them up even if they aren't heated up. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'll ask one question and just watch the hour disappear. <laughs> well, you could go make something, make dinner. <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> and then come back and he'll still be going down the
1: <laughs> All right. Because uh, I don't want to take up much more of your time here with this storm starting to brew. I got one final question. Yes, sir. Horses. Where the heck did that come from?
0: Wasn't me. (laughs) It was uh, my wife grew up with them, and now we uh, we've got a few, quite a few. You looking for any?
1: No. How many you want? (laughs) I got no place for a horse.
0: Well, we got some miniatures too. (laughs) I uh, I, I will. Okay, I will say this. Uh, I sort of got sucked into it, but I got I got into it, and what I realized is um, a horse show. Is really a microcosm of life because okay. um, my kids have shown full size horses, minis and ponies. But at a national show, particularly, I my, every one of my kids has won a national title, and every one of my kids has gotten the gate, meaning they didn't even finish in the top ten or they had a low finish. Mm-hmm. So they could win a national title in one class, and the very next one just get the gate or not do well at all. And that's life. Right. There's highs and there's lows. And it really does prepare them that everything is not sunshine and lollipops and yeah. everyone does not get a participation medal, you know? So they've, they've learned that. And I think, um, well, in, a case, uh, in the case of my son, Spencer, the one who's on the rugby team, mm-hmm. he did high school rodeo trap. He, he was a state champion as a sophomore his junior year. He, uh, he, broke, you know, he broke his arm. Right, not doing crap, but he couldn't. He couldn't do it. And his senior year, he had. Um, what he, he went to the final or to nationals? And he wound up world reserve champion. And he was it was a phenomenal run. He hit he hit sixty straight, including um, ten in a row. When they had to move back a little bit, he was the only kid to hit ten in a row, and that's what gave him the, the reserve championship. But I attribute that to having shown horses because he was more uh, adept or more used to pressure than these other kids were mm-hmm. because he's, I mean, it was part of his life as a four-year-old when you go, I mean, he didn't realize it, but, you know, he's going into these classes and competing. So it's, it prepared them for other competitions. And I think it pre- helped prepare them for, you know, for rugby too, because he's, you know, he's pretty much fearless and nothing bothers him. Because he was, he learned about that in the show ring. I think about just go out there and do your best and not worry about it.
1: So, do you guys breed or you just show?
0: No, no, we just we show. And we scale back on that quite a bit as well, just because the, you know the time. It, we we go to shows, but we don't go to as many as we once did, and we don't really. My Mary has done a little bit of breeding, but more so not to breed and sell, but to breed and keep the babies because of the parentage that we, you know that mm-hmm. we have. So she likes that, you know, to keep the the, – again, I stay out of it. That whole thing. (laughs) It would drive me nuts if I got too involved in it because I want to micromanage that, and that's that's not going to happen. No. (laughs) So you got to come out sometime, J.B. We'll get you on a horse, or we'll have you drive one, you know, with a cart. It's a lot of fun.
1: Bob, I had a really bad football injury in high school, which basically made me decide that – Being a football player was not for me. I had six ribs bruised, really bad. Yeah, I had a had a contemporary of my brother's, my older brother, uh, because they were on varsity together. And then when I went to go try out, my brother had graduated, and when I tried to um, move up to varsity the following year, this guy. Decided to take his because he rode the bench behind my brother. Decided to take his anger out on me and bruised three ribs on each side. And to this day, when I get on a horse, I can still remember <laughs> remember
0: that oh. injury. Yeah. Well, okay, we'll put you on a horse with a four year old's ride. Right? <laughs> it's very safe. <laughs>
1: he put me on we'll the work
0: horse, on. mate. <laughs>
1: Put me oh. on the horse named oh. Old Glue. <laughs> well,
0: J.B., I, I want to say this before you do wrap up. Thank yeah. you for inviting me. I've had a lot of fun, and the time has flown by. Yeah. it's. Uh,
1: I kind of look down, and it's like, holy crap, we need to. <laughs> you know, I don't want to take up more of your time. And I really appreciate uh, kind of getting to know you even more, but having to look back at uh, the time that we spent together and the people that we've touched. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Uh, Cassie Schrader looked at me you know, we were kind of bouncing back and forth. She looked at me and she's like, I don't know why I've hadn't said this to you before. I'm going to ask Tom to add you to the network. And now I'm part of, oh. their net, I'm part of their, their network. Great. So well that's great. So this will go that's to wonderful. her. This will go to her and she'll put it on the network
0: at some point. So, yeah. Well, that's Well, I mean, if, if you want me to put it up on mine, I, I, that's always an offer too.
1: No, I just I'd, have
0: to get uh, all I have to do is get your uh, uh, your artwork and we could do that. it's it, it's very easy to do.
1: Well I just normally still a picture online of my guests. <laughs> so Oh <laughs> Well you are low-tech. Right. <laughs> well yeah, That's my funny. my logo is just something I grabbed off of the internet that happened to have the J N B, but the N. The, the ampersand, or whatever that's called. Ampersand, Look, yep. Looks like an E, which is my middle initial. So That is perfect. I know. It was it's, faded. It's like, yeah, there it is, my logo.
0: <laughs> well, it's fake, JB. And right. now I'm going to go outside and see if I have a farm left.
1: Right. Well, Bob, <laughs> I thank you been. for doing this. Merry Christmas. Oh, well, JB, it was fun. Happy New Merry Year. Merry
0: Christmas to you and, and to all of your listeners as well.
1: Yeah. And uh, I uh, echo that sentiment. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all those. Uh, Happy New Year to all my listeners. I have it. I have a weird listenership. Part of it's here in uh, Minnesota, and part of it's in St. Louis.
0: Well, that makes sense. And, and then, Locus, and and then I, that's where your, your roots
1: are. And then I have people down in Texas and. You know, I have people all over the place because there are people that I've had connections with because of gopher football and gopher sports that listen. So yep. I kind of have a quasi-national listenership just because of my connections with different people. So,
0: Well, you are connected. There's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah, it's um, – but, um, every, you know, I get to a point where it's like I've run out of people and then something happens. Like, oh. Oh, yeah.
0: I can, There's always people. I can
1: call such and such, or I can talk to this person or that person. So mm-hmm. I'm amazed that I've gotten to, um, the actual number with best ofs and whatnot is like 54, but I don't oh, count. Wow. The, I don't count the best ofs in the, and the, um, and actually I don't even count the, um, lost episodes that's what my uh relatives so it's almost 55 so and that for somebody who's doing it once a week that's a lot
0: (laughs) yes it is well I'm glad you haven't so you've done so many you have so much success with it
1: yeah um you know it's, it's it's still interesting it's still fun um you know and one interview leads to another that's the other thing I've figured out you know I've done No, uh, it
0: always it's always that way. Absolutely.
1: Right. I've done like four local comics which has led me to other comics. So it's it's
0: Well, if you ever want to, I mean I, I'll tell you what, I got Brian Miller. Um I've Brian Miller on my show on Wednesday. You should check him out.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll look into him.
0: If All right, JB, thank you so much for having thank me. Thank you,
1: Bob. Like, yeah. Okay. All right. Take off. very yeah, of beef before you leave, tell them listeners how they can listen to you and follow you and whatnot.
0: Oh, the BS show. Just type in the BS show, and uh, my daughter, my um, my my website went down recently, and I'm gonna be changing my host uh, provider. But I uh, uh, thebsshow.net normally, but just type in the BS show. You can find it on um, basically whatever your favorite podcast platform is, or go to Twitter at B O B S A N S E V E R E. That's my Twitter handle, and it's right there.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, sir. And happy holidays to you and
0: yours. (laughs) All right. Take care. Take care, Bob.
1: Yeah. And as we wrap up here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast, I just want to say uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, and all those holiday things, and a Happy New Year to all. Here on the JB's low-tech podcast.
0: JB is my name and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Point
1: right on. He's negro, man. black, African man. Black like black, black. Django. JB. Damn,
0: Dolomite.
1: Great god in heaven, you know. Oh. JB, our great
0: negro sex machine.